Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one. Except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. And those tones can only mean one thing. Guys of a Certain Age is back on the air. Robbie Koblenz. And Art Shirley. And no Jay Reed. No Jay Reed. So, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of speculated before, but are you and Jay the same person? We're the same person. That's because right. Because sometimes, you know, yeah. we never see you in the same place. The, the real trick time. is to make myself taller when I'm Jay. Yeah. That's, yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a... You regenerate. That's right. It all comes back that's to right. Dr. It's all Who. lifts. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. So, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well, man. It's, Happy July. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Happy uh, debilitating de- de- heat. Tried to say that yeah, fast five apparently, times. Apparently the... Yeah, the vocal went first. Yeah, that's right, man. It's a, it's kind of brutal out there. You yeah. walk out. So. It's, yeah, it's a slap in the face when you walk outside. So uh, we were uh, recording a commercial earlier today, and uh, one of my professional goals has been met because I got I I shot the sheriff. Oh yeah, so yeah. That uh, and, and we shot Jeopardies as well. Did you actually? On. Okay, you yeah. said you hadn't. But yeah, but you we did. Have. Okay. So yeah, so we actually shot the sheriff. So you one upped Bob Marley. Then, That's right. The That's right. Plus, I'm still alive. That's right. Yeah. So that would be two up Bob Marley. Oh, um, oh go! Yeah. Wow, man. It's over... probably not too soon though. Yeah, but, you know, probably yeah. not. That's right. But I asked uh, I asked the candidate who we were shooting commercials for. Said you've never heard that before. He's like, Oh no, never ever heard. <laughs> that before yeah so it's one of those occupational hazards that's right sheriff that you get bob marley quoted to you quite a bit well i I went to i was in san antonio last week and uh, did go by the alamo on the last day i was there so was it davy crockett or daniel boone it was davy crockett i heard you guys talking earlier and and as we talked on mike off mike rather it is easy to confuse those two both had kind of similar backgrounds and both were played by fess parker both had real catchy songs associated with their tv series but there was a uh, a flintlock flintlock long rifle on display at the museum that had been donated by Fess Parker. Apparently, somebody had given that to him, and it wasn't oh. a TV prop; it was an actual an actual rifle. But uh, that was kind of neat to see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the the joke is, and the thing I kept wanting to ask is, I don't know if you remember the Pee Wee Pee Wee's Big Adventure movie where he goes to the Alamo oh, vaguely and thinks the bicycle that's been stolen is in the basement. Goes through the whole tour and uh, says, "Well, where's the basement? Where's the basement?" And uh, there's no basement in the Alamo. Well, uh, so that's kind of the, you want to ask the guide how often they've heard that, but uh, I don't know if they do as much anymore. Was there a basement? There's actually a bar across the street that's called The Basement, which I'm sure they <laughs> named because of uh, of that movie. I would imagine that's what they did. Wow. Wow. So there I is did. a basement at the There Alamo. is a basement at the Alamo, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, well, glad to have you back. Thank you. Glad we, to be back. We miss you, Jay, because we know you're listening. That's right. So. Anyway, um, well, let's jump into our shared geek of the week. Yep. Some some pretty big geeky news. Do we have shared to... geek of the week music? No, we'll just no. have to use the regular. Okay. Yeah, we'll just have to do. Maybe we could get share to ah. do. If I could turn back time, that's... <laughs> I almost tried to sing like share. Oh and I can't. man, that's a. Uh, <laughs> You know, I got you, babe. Yeah, that would be the theme song if I could turn back time. With, yeah. With ah, that'd that. be perfect. There you go. There you go. So, anyway, our shared geek of the week is... Johnny Ive. Johnny Ive, leaving Apple. Boy, I tell you what, I, I guess I kind of saw that one coming. Yeah. People but, have said it's been kind of coming along for the past four or five years. Uh, yeah. You know, reading all the, the rumors and gossip and things that he's kind of not had the, the same amount of interest in, in things um, that Tim Cook is 
is much more of a operationals kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, and doesn't uh, certainly doesn't have the the vision. And I don't mean this as any slight against Tim Cook, but Steve Jobs was a one of a kind kind of guy, and, and the aesthetic was very important to him. So those of you guys playing along at home, just to give you a little background, Johnny Ive has been the uh, chief design officer at Apple. And really, prior to assuming that title a few years ago, he was the design soul of Apple. He was yeah. the uh, he was the yin to uh, Steve Jobs' yang. And mm-hmm. this is the guy who designed or led the design team that did the the iconic iMac, the Bondi Blue iMac. Right. Um, the G3 iMac was yeah. like his first yeah, and but you know he was already a designer at Apple, so, right? So Steve Jobs yeah. didn't bring him in when Steve Jobs came back mm-hmm. to Apple. He designed um, the iPod with the click wheel, which mm-hmm. is one of the most you know landmark designs yeah. ever, and then the original iPhone. And then he was very uh, instrumental in in all design that came from Apple. Yeah, and and even did uh, designed iOS seven. Yeah, uh, he. Did, is credited with the Apple Watch, although from what I've read, the Apple Watch turned out to be kind of a compromise in function. He really wanted it to be an accessory that stood alone mm-hmm. and not be tied to the iPhone. And I think that may be uh, something that they have to look at because it, it needs to be a separate device. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. It, it's too, like I said, you know, of course it, it's, it's great for them because if you have an Apple Watch like I do, and it took forever to get one, I really love mine now that I have it. But you know, the idea that, oh, now I've got to get another iPhone, you know, is kind of a, a drawback to that. Now, that's what I'll get. It's not that big of a drawback to me, but I imagine for a lot of consumers, they're thinking, I really like my Samsung Galaxy. Why doesn't it work with, I'd like to buy an Apple Watch. So, And, and, and the Apple Watch has evolved with having discrete apps. Yes. And and so it's it's kind of getting to the point that I think. Yeah, it's that, got its own cellular service. It doesn't have to tie into the that's iPhone. Correct. And, yeah. you know, I would think that, for what it needs to do, any type of programming you could do with an iPad or a computer at some point or your, your Mac and not necessarily have to tie it in. So you could still use it as a way to sell Apple hardware. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think with the with the phone, especially, you know, if 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 people are are they may be missing a piece of the market, you know, it may be that people aren't. Uh, getting the Apple Watch because they already have a different phone. So I'm, I'm curious to see what's going on. That. So, so Johnny had some misses as well, though. Do we, do you, I mean, uh, well, no, no, go ahead. I mean, the uh, what was it? The uh, the, 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 puck, the puck mouse was, uh, a, was, well, a, was a big miss. Was the puck mouse his? The puck mouse was his. Oh. Yeah, I looked this up before we came on because I'd seen something. I've, I've seen a couple of articles about, about what he has done. And uh, the puck mouse was his. And I just remember that being because you couldn't. You couldn't grab it without looking at it and know the orientation of the mouse. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah. It was absolutely horrible. Yeah. And and it had two two kind of clamshell pieces on either side yeah. and uh, that you could take off. And I ended up taking mine off so I could orient. Oh, okay. I, so you could feel, orient yeah, by feel. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was so much better. Uh, the 20th anniversary Mac was his. Was that his? Yeah. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. And Jerry um, Seinfeld bought it, and I think nobody else ever bought it. <laughs> I don't think they sold very many of those. The uh, Cube was the his? The Cube was his, yeah. The Cube was his, which aesthetically I think is a wonderful machine. Now, they had some production problems that led to some cr- – what they pe- – pe- people perceived to be as cracks they said they were actually seams but they were there were cracks in the acrylic uh, uh structure of the thing but uh, i actually knew somebody that had the cube and it was just a, it was a great looking machine yeah yeah it it, it really was um but you know t- to me this is the this is the end of the old apple i guess apple v3 because right. you know apple v1 would be 
the first version. Mac and Jobs. Yeah, yeah. and everything uh, that led up to the Apple II. Right. The second version of Apple was, was you know, the, the Mac era pre after post-Jobs, pre-Jobs, you know, when, right. when he went out into the, he was kicked off to next. Yes. And then the, the, the third version of, of, of Apple to me has always been Jobs coming back and, and the Renaissance. Mm-hmm. And then with Steve Jobs passing away a few years ago, Johnny Ive leaving. Now there's a lot of talent there. There's yeah. a lot of designers. But I do, I do think this puts an end to probably this, this, kind of gray area that's happened since uh, jobs died and i think this is the final end of that phase we can call that the, and you said phase three i think that's probably a good way to look at it yeah and it's 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 kind of sad but you know um we really haven't seen anything yeah maybe this will lead to some innovation uh, some some knocks against johnny ive that i read uh include you know include the fact that he had sacrificed uh functionality and expandability you know for design uh, came up with some beautiful, beautiful machines, but they are, you know, uh, practically disposable because you can't upgrade uh, yeah. certain things that you used to be able to upgrade, or even have somebody upgrade them because things are glued down rather than screwed down, and so they have to be almost destroyed to be able to upgrade them. So they're they're essentially non-upgradable. Yeah, and that's like you said, that's been a big knock. That's a big problem. I mean, I'm I'm looking here through some hits and misses. And one of the misses is the uh, is the 2013 uh, trash can Mac Pro, yeah, which yeah. I'm actually I own two. I still have one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm upgrading it. I'm yeah. throwing a new hard drive in, and uh, the the design of it was great, but it became very impractical because yeah. you know for a pro machine you needed to add um, external devices. Mm-hmm. You needed to add other video cards, whatever you needed. And you had six Thunderbolt ports on the back. Well, you end up with Dongle City. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. So. And that's up to me. I mean, like I said, aesthetically beautiful machine. Uh, but uh, in terms of overall functionality, if you've got to have all these dongles or externals hanging off of it, you've kind of ruined your design at that point. So I think that hopefully whoever comes in and, and takes over his role uh, will kind of lead into a little bit more of a functionality type thing i don't know i, I think maybe with tim cook behind thing that it might be part of the direction they go well you know it was interesting to see the uh the impact on the apple stock price because it dropped i think a, a point or two a percentage right. point or two um but you know all the all the articles that have come out since the uh the departure was announced has basically said he's been persona non grata for quite a right, while yeah you like i said four to five years they've kind of they've kind of felt like he was in that role <laughs> well it wouldn't show up at meetings yeah yeah mm-hmm. he just said he, he kind of checked out you know yeah. so and, um and that's just that's really yeah, kind of sad that's right that's right and he's going on to form his own company yeah. i know we've ended up talking about this probably more so than we do normal geeks of the week but it's something that hits us where we live and uh you know the the guys have talked and i think at some point we want to do uh, I don't know that we're Apple fanboys, you know, to the point that we exclude other machines. Certainly you haven't, you know, I've used yeah. some other machines as well. Not anymore. But so. we, we are very much appreciative of uh, our, our Apple devices and our, uh, and those kind of things. And so we're going to do a, a show coming up where we kind of take a, a deep dive on our Apple experiences. And uh, we'll do that, I guess, later on, right? Yeah. Can we include Amigas and Trash 80s? Um, I'm sorry, Radio Shack. Oh, wait, Radio uh, yeah. Shack doesn't yeah. exist anymore. TR Settings. But the Trash 80 is, is, is the first computer experience I have. So, yeah, that'll be part of that. So, that's a great segue into the second half of the show. Yeah. When did, when did, was that? Trash 80 was in the, what decade was that? Mm, was that maybe, the, maybe late 70s. But we're going to talk about the 
80s. Yeah, 80s. That's right, the TRS-80. Man, that was the first machine I ever really got onto. Yeah, me too. That was probably 81, something like that. Yeah, oh, it's bound to be because I was, yeah, because I had graduated. I graduated in 1980, so that was, uh, yeah, my, my dad had one. I think uh played around with it my, my junior year uh, in uh, college because we were doing word processing on it. And, you know, he, would, he had a friend that was a programmer and would come in and uh, write these things, and my dad would come here and take this out. And <laughs> do all this stuff and then it would just print on the dot matrix printer this huge pattern that went on forever so that's pretty cool you know we were all very excited about wow, it. The, no functionality at all but just it would do this the, kind of cool image and uh ascii text the, the things you could do yeah. with, with computers yeah uh, you know back then yeah. but but you know uh we're recording this on july 2nd right uh, stranger things season three drops yeah. in two days yeah. and uh the relaunching of the 80s has been really fun to watch yeah um they have done a great job. I've been fans of both seasons. I mean, I, I would say the, the first season was probably stronger, but maybe just because of the novelty of it. Sure. But they have done a great job of capturing that time period. Oh, and, and you know, I think I've said it on the podcast before, I track with their ages. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah for me, I mean, like I said, I graduated in 1980, so it's a different experience for me. I'm certainly familiar with it, but, yeah, you were, you're right there with their age, oh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think season one took place in 83. They were – 12, 13 years old. I was 13 in 83. So, I mean, I, I remember those Dungeons and Dragons sessions and that paneling and, um, you know, it, it really resonated. AV Club. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so, uh, um, but yeah, I track with Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett to throw back. So those are the shows. That, yeah. <laughs> did you, uh, did you sign any autographs when you were out there? I, you know, art was here. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, they don't like that when you do the Wall of the Alamo. By the way, wow, yeah, I, so. I can't imagine why not. But you know, I, I was listening to a podcast earlier today. It's a film production podcast called Below the Line, and they talk about uh, the uh, behind the scenes production of, of TV shows and movies. And uh, I jumped on a, a a podcast episode that talked about the Americans, and yeah. um, and then which is so timely with what we're talking about here because they were they were discussing how the eighties. When you're shooting an 80s show, it's a period piece. Yeah. Yeah, it is now. That's you know? right. Yeah. And uh, you just think, oh, well, it was just a, it was not long ago. Yeah. But you've got to get clothes, cars, you've got to yeah. get uh, appliances. Uh-huh. Uh, it is a period piece. Yeah, that's right. Because it's, uh, you know, it's, this is how long ago now? We're talking about. Uh, 29 years. Yeah. 30 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, so you think about it. You know, at the time you're going, oh, well, you look back at the 70s, 60s, 50s, whatever. Those were distinct clothing patterns. I and mean, oh, there's nothing distinct about the 80s. And now you go back and look and go, oh, my God. Man, shoulder pads yeah, shoulder and, pads. and bangs. Yeah, so. that's right. That's right. But, but you know, as as the consumer conscious kind of is, what's uh-huh. old is new again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the relaunching of the 80s has been kind of fun to watch. Um, you know, one of the things that I found interesting is Pizza Hut is relaunching their old logo. Yeah. So is that part of the Stranger Things you know, tie-in or I, is it just to kind of... That's, you ask such great questions, Art. I'm going to have to look it up yeah. as, as, as we vamp a little bit there. Yeah. And I know the new Coke thing is also coming out. And uh, and that's all. That is abso- that is absolutely part of Stranger Things because yeah. they'll be drinking new Coke in the uh, in the episodes. And I can remember that's that for me is very. I was I had graduated. It was uh, April of eighty five. I looked it up. April of eighty five when they announced this uh, new Coke. And I remember doing on the trash eighty actually putting together a little newsletter. I was going to send to my friends about how much I hated 
the new Coke and sending out folks. Like I said, I graduated. I had no job. I was still trying to find a job. So I had a lot of free time on my hands to put this together. But I just hated the thing. I thought it was – to me it tasted like Pepsi, and I'm not a Pepsi fan. And the Pepsi folks, you know, I think there was a book that came out, The Other Guy Blinked. Uh, because, you know, they had been staring eyeball to eyeball mm-hmm. at each other. And then Coke kind of conceded, although conventional wisdom is now that new Coke was really kind of a, a diversionary tactic to be able to take sugar out and replace it with corn sh- uh, corn syrup. So and and that, yeah. that that's always been the uh, uh, the urban legend. Yeah. And I don't know if there's any truth to that, but, I mean, you know, they certainly came back. I don't know how quickly Coke Classic came back, but it wasn't that long ago. I think it was 18 months. Yeah. It oh, was, was it that long ago. It was that took that long. I think it took. So it took longer than a, you know. I think it took a little bit of a time. I mean, I'll, we can look that up. My younger sister, Beth, uh, had a thing where she worked at a grocery store, and she was probably, you know, uh, 16 or whatever. And, uh, and. And was promoting New Coke and was there, you know, to to tell customers about uh, New Coke as they came in. And people were furious with her. And she's like, I didn't come up with it. I'm just pointing you to where it is in the grocery store aisle and asking you to please try it. <laughs> oh. They were really mad about that. Well, it was, um, I, I actually kind of liked New Coke. But do you like Pepsi? No, I okay. do not. Let's see. New Coke was launched uh, April of 85. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see how long before. uh, 79 days after New Coke's introduction, ABC News, Peter Jennings, interrupted General Hospital with a special bulletin to share the news of viewers. On the floor of the U.S. Senate, David Pryor called the reintroduction of the original formula yeah, a meaningful tough. moment in U.S. history. So not even three months. Not even three yeah, months. Yeah. yeah. So I thought it was quick. I didn't realize it was that quick. Seventy-nine days. Yeah. There was and it, there was there was a statement made on the floor of the Senate. Peter Jennings is interrupting General Hospital. Yeah. You know, that's hilarious. Wow. That's I mean, how big a thing it was. It was gigantic. You know? It was gigantic. Oh, the days when that was our big news. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. But you know, it, it's we're back to everything. Eighties is cool again. Yeah. And you know, I kind of look back towards uh, as we as we harken back to our finales episode, uh, the uh, the the last episode of Sopranos, mm-hmm. and don't stop believing by Journey. You know, yeah. and the 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 resurgence of the popularity of Journey to me is kind of ushered in this this 80s hey this is cool again yeah you know and everybody has capitalized on it so stranger things has come in the americans was an 80s uh period piece all the way across mm-hmm. um what else kind of lends you know ready, ready player one the book and in in the in the the movie of course had a ton of 80s references right uh the the book probably more so as an homage to a, a love affair with the 80s um, but it, it's to kinda, me an early thing too was Super Eight the movie. Uh, that oh yeah, JJ Abrams did. That's right. I forgot uh, about that. That felt very much like uh, a Spielberg uh, movie from that time period. ET or Close Encounters, you know, had a, a lot of that same vibe that Stranger Things has picked up on as well. Yeah, and uh, that was that was a, I love that movie. A great movie, uh, and I believe it was either late seventies or early eighties was a time period. Yeah. I think it was, it was an early eighties and they, they went for that lush Spielberg look again. Right. A lot of the same pacing in the story. And, um, uh, and then uh, there's also another, and I haven't seen it yet, but there's a, a, 
a Netflix movie that's about a camp. Have you seen that where aliens invade and it takes place in the 80s? I have not watched it, but I, I've seen it. It looks pretty good. It, it seems to me that they're pretty obviously trying to cash in on the Stranger Things vibe, which, you know, I mean, that's not a, that's not a bad thing necessarily, but uh, it, I'd be curious to see what that's like. It looks pretty entertaining. So the, the Stranger Things phenomenon really kind of caught me off guard because when um, I saw the, orig- the original marketing for it, I had no idea what it was. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was an um, anthology horror movie. Yeah. I mean, horror, it, yeah. horror series. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was going to be really creepy. And I'm not a horror guy. Yeah. So. But it, it had that feeling almost as of a, of a Twilight Zone or maybe a night gallery is more appropriate. Yeah. I think horror more so than just science fiction. But, uh, yeah, I thought the same thing. Because there are some good anthology series, both horror and otherwise, on Netflix and Amazon and those, and, and, and that, those places. So I didn't, see, I didn't see this coming either. And I can't remember... I, I'm trying to think who saw it and said, oh, you need to watch this, because we watched it relatively early on. And if it's it's a typical Netflix thing where they release all the episodes at once, right? They yeah, they, they dropped everything. Yeah. And when does it release? When does season three release? Uh, July 4th. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I think Becky and I have our weekend planned. Yeah. We're going, uh, going out of town for a few days, and then we'll be back. But, uh, yeah, I can see us binge watching. How many? Will it be eight episodes? I think it's eight episodes. Yeah. So, But I'm looking here at uh, uh, you know some other things that we haven't really talked about uh, as far as 80s. Glow, the miniseries on um, – Oh, is that eight, set in the 80s, set too? In the yeah, 80s. I haven't I have watched a, that. I haven't yeah. watched that. Halt and Cat – Catch Fire is all 80s. Yeah, and I haven't watched that either. But yeah, you really need to I see need, that. I've, I've heard, had several people tell get, me that. Get through the first uh, the first season, then you'll jump into it. So, okay. um, but uh, And that's about, it's kind of, it's a fictional account of some Silicon Valley yeah, folks. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. And they actually start in Texas, which okay. is kind of interesting. Okay. So, um, but you've got just the, the whole 80s is cool. You've got mm-hmm. Ghostbusters popping off. Uh, they're... Ivan Reitman's son Jason is re re rebooting Ghostbusters. Okay, um, so yeah, with the original cast, right? Yeah, yeah. I believe so. Yeah, and, and then and some additional people as well. Then we've got the, the the Top Gun sequel. Yeah, when's that coming out? That's, uh, it, I don't know. It, I know it's uh, is it even later this year or is it next year? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it's just all eighties all the time. All the eighties all the time. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah. there's no Casey Kasem. Oh. So you know. It's not really the eighties, really. Reaching for case. the stars. Yeah, uh, I just finished a, mo- a book, Droid Maker, which I think I've mentioned before. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, it was interesting because, you know, it, it takes place, and a lot of it takes place, uh, of course, after Star Wars and, and the the time that uh, Lucas was spending money into research on trying to develop a nonlinear digital editing system for to use for movie editing, and uh, some other things, and of course Pixar came out of there, mm-hmm. but. Uh, but reading those and seeing and, and seeing the state of the you know the computer technology at a particular time absolutely period. and then you know about the time where I jump in and I can remember okay this is when this is when the first time you know the TRS eighty is, is talked about and of course the the first uh, Macintosh in eighty four and uh, so it's cool to have those kind of landmarks and go gosh forgotten that you know you did only <laughs> only had five hundred and twelve megabytes yeah. of memory or whatever or you know ramp the whole the whole thing the whole system only had that much in there so you know it's crazy droid maker is a great read i own that book i haven't read it in five years yeah but, you know you you just like you said you forget how influential uh-huh it's fascinating it really yeah. is fascinating so um he george lucas created a um um a 
a product called the Edit Droid. Right. And that was a film editing system because mm-hmm. at that point they were still cutting on yeah. film. You know, right. there's nothing digital. And so they would load all their footage onto laser disc and yeah. they had a bunch of yeah. laser discs. And the laser disc, because it never really became the popular item they hoped it would be with mm-hmm. uh, video files, I guess, or, uh, you know, film lovers. Uh, and there was no way to record on it. So it, it never hit the, they kept waiting for a recordable version of it. It never happened. So it's just fascinating to see this, this, this stuff. And, and then, uh, you know, a lot of their technology, you know, that he spent money in and, and developing somebody else developed a better way to do it. I think Avid actually is the one that came mm-hmm. a route that did the, finally got it solved. Yeah. But, but Avid bought, but they bought, bought Edit Droid and yeah. incorporated that stuff in there. So he's yeah. got a piece of that stuff. He, they mentioned in the book, how much, how many things Pixar, you know, all these different things, uh, really kind of hit pay dirt once Steve Jobs got a hold of yeah. them. So, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. It's and, and Pixar was never meant to be an animation studio, a movie studio it was at a, all. It's a renderer. It, yeah, it was a, it, to render the because that was the big challenge. How do we get these effects on film? The 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 Pixar Render Man software, that software pipeline, yeah. was the best renderer yeah. on the market. Right. And uh, then you know all those films became products. You know the the initial short films were just a technology test. Yeah, yeah, they would show at SIGGRAPH or, uh, or yeah. one of the other or NAB. You know, yeah. but uh, yeah, so it's a it's a it's a great read. I would I would you know, we're off the rails here again, but I would suggest that. And again, the reason I got there is because so much of it takes place in the eighties. Exactly. Uh, and uh, like I said, I think we'll look back at that decade, even though it's kind of maligned sometimes because of the <laughs> mullets and the shoulder pads. Is good. Yeah. But a lot happened. A lot, oh, especially absolutely. in terms of, of what we do and what we love in terms of technology and guys of a certain age really kind of came to the home, you know, personal computers and stuff in that decade. I think that's going to, you know, stand the test of time as kind of a landmark decade. So, uh, surprise question. We haven't talked about this at all. What thing from the 80s would you want to be rebooted and reintroduced? Oh, I don't even know. Let's see. That's a, yeah, that's a tough one to think about. Uh, have you got something? So, I would love to see not a reboot, but I would love to see a sequel to The Last Starfighter. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing... There's I, there's talk of a reboot. I've heard them talk about that, too. And I actually purchased uh, Last Starfighter not too long ago. I mean, I've the, got it on Blu-ray. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the video... I mean, the effects are very primitive. They're horrible. Yeah. And I don't know if I'd want them to go back and redo those with modern technology or just let it exist as it is with the charm and then reboot it and kind of show what they could do now. I think that would be a better solution. But that... that for. You guys of a certain age who don't remember, yeah. that was a, uh, I'm looking it up right now, 1984. The premise was uh, this this alien star force. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were recruiting people to fight this galactic battle, cr- recruiting beings. Star Command. Star Command, that's yeah. right. And uh, one of the recruiters came up with the idea of developing a video game. That was, that was great. To put on yeah, Earth. Great device. And, and the highest the, 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 the highest scoring person uh-huh. would be uh, sucked up uh-huh. and uh, go and train. And yeah. It was great. I mean, yeah. what, what a great idea. That was a great idea. Yeah, I mean, it's it kind of that, uh, to me, it was, you know, very much uh, the sword in the stone type of thing. It was. You know, this idea that, hey, something random could happen to me and all of a sudden I could be the hero. Yeah. That's what happens to the, no spoiler, but that's what happens to the. <laughs> there was a Robert Heinlein book called Half Space Suit Will yeah, Travel. Know it. 
And uh, remember, he won the spacesuit. Right, yeah. And, and then he gets sucked up, uh-huh. you know, and yeah. goes on an intergalactic yeah, adventure. Yeah. So, um, well, just, you know, Bill and Ted is in I saw three, Bill and Ted's in, coming back. In, uh, in production. Yeah, so. I'm having a hard time thinking about the, the last Starfighter. That's Because I've thought about that, too. I think that's a great series they ought to revisit. I would, and I would like to see it. I don't know that I wouldn't mind seeing it uh, sequelized rather than uh, than rebooted. You know, don't undo what's been done, but maybe pick up because his younger brother was interested, or maybe you maybe you pull it from you know somebody uh, like they've had to do it again. Robert Preston is the uh, the recruiter. The, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. But. All right, man. We were at time. This is a little bit shorter episode. I guess yeah. we did miss Jay. <laughs> Jay, you know, you would have been good for another seven minutes of content. Uh-huh. So. Jay will discuss what food he ate in the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> really, right. because there's some there's some interesting things there's that some, came about. We could have talked. Know. We could have talked pizza at breadsticks. And we'll talk because Jay expressed an interest. We'll 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 include Jay in this discussion too, and talk a little bit more about the eighties. I'll try to have something in mind to, to reboot or, or come well, back to. you know, back around to the uh, to the Pizza Hut logo. Uh-huh. There there's no they're not specifying that it's a short run or a permanent thing, but I'm guessing it's a un it's a unpaid for tie in to stranger. Things. Yeah, I think it's, it is too. It's probably what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. So. And they've only had this new logo, I think for five years, uh, a little bit longer than oh, that. Long? Okay. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'm just not aware of it. Uh, what I wish they would do is bring back Priazza, which is their Chicago style mm. deep dish stuffed pizza. That sounds pretty good. If you're listening, Pizza Hut, that yeah. was great. Of course, okay. it took like an hour to prepare. Yeah, you had to call ahead usually. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But oh man, what a well great product! It, huh? So, all right, it's lunchtime, so I think we're going to bail out and go get a bite to eat. Thanks, guys, for uh, for listening. As usual, if you like what you hear, like and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And thanks for listening. See you next time.